Welcome to the Tamarin Learning Podcast, where host Dr. Kirby Ross Plock speaks with experts on many topics relevant in the ultra high net worth family wealth management space. Kirby is author of several books, including The Complete Family Office Handbook, and shares her expertise consulting with families and family offices. Kirby is also the founder of Tamarin Learning, an online wealth education platform that develops practical, foundational learning programs for beneficiaries to help them prepare for responsible stewardship of wealth. Welcome to the Tamarin Learning Podcast. I'm your host, Dr. Kirby Rosblock, and I'm thrilled today to have Dr. Pramodita Sharma with us. She is uh, the Schlesinger Grossman Chair of Family Business at the Grossman School of Business at University of Vermont. She's many, many accolades behind her name. Uh, she's been visiting scholar at the Family Business Centers at Kellogg, um, in India, the India School of Business, and many other places. And her research is voluminous. She has done some of the pioneering research on succession, governance, innovation, next generation commitment, entrepreneurial leadership, and sustainability in and by family enterprises. And she is a prolific writer. She has written over 50 articles and 10 books. And some of her more recent works are Entrepreneurs in Every Generation and Patient Capital, The Role of Family Firms in Sustainable Business, as well as Pioneering Business Families of Sustainable Development, which is actually our, our focus of today. Um, so I'm thrilled to have Dita here and to dig more into the powerful role that family firms play in sustainable development. So Dita, thank you so much for being here. Thank you, Kirby. Much appreciate the invitation. Well, Dita, maybe we can first jump in and just talk about what you're doing today, the work you're doing both in the education space and the author and the writing space, and then also with family firms and, and just help us take a toe in the water to sustainable development based on the work that you're doing today. Uh, I work at the University of Vermont, as you mentioned, and uh, this is an old university founded in 1791. And it has a long, long history of focusing on sustainability, though we may or may not have used the term in the past. So for my day job, that's as a professor here, all our programs are focused on sustainable innovation. I mean, the business school undergraduate program, sustainable innovation is woven into everything we do. And this is way before the term became fashionable, I would say. Uh, the same thing for our graduate program, our MBA program is called the Sustainable Innovation MBA program. And we also do online certificate programs. So that's in terms of the education for undergraduate students, graduate students, and what I would call the executives. Most of them come to our programs through online certificate programs as they are working. In my role as a researcher, and as you said, I do enjoy research a lot. For the last 10 years or so, I've been focused on the interface between family businesses and sustainability. Sustainability now is, as we understand, the people profit planet balance. Um, so for that, I've written um, a, a theory book, which is the patient capital. But more excitingly, exciting for this um, 
audience is the book uh, called Pioneering Family Firms Sustainability Strategies. And we'll talk a little bit about that. So I get to know the family businesses that are unsure of how to start, what it is, unsure of how to start. So just in the beginning stages of that journey or overwhelmed by what the journey might be. And then I also get to see those families and work closely with those families who are availing this opportunity of a century. They've gotten it, they're leading their industry, they're breaking the mold. So I'm pleased to be able to interact and work so closely with families of at different stages of the journey. Um, where are families today, you might ask? Well, some of them are, I would say the first point, awareness. I don't think there's anyone in the world who's not aware of the issues caused by uh, heating planet, losing water, fires. We see this all around us. We may deny it. We may argue with it. We may argue about whose fault it is, but it's hard to deny that today. We've had scientifically since 1987, our common future report. That's a long time ago. Okay, so even if I missed that report, 2006, we had the Inconvenient Truth movie. Even that is 17 years ago. So we can't pretend that I didn't read the scientific report. Sure, maybe I did. I didn't watch a movie or hear about it on every single TV network, positive or negative comments. So as far as the awareness is concerned, I would contend it is there. Whether the desire to go on the sustainability journey is there, I would say it is mixed. There are those of us who say, I didn't cause it, and India is one of those. They say rich countries caused it. It's not our problem. They need to go fix it. If you want us to do anything where every sixth human being on the world today is an Indian, another sixth is a Chinese, you want us to do something about it, give us some money because you caused the problem. It's your mess, so there is that. Um, at individual family business level, there are people who say, I just, this is not my problem, this is the government's problem. So there is the desire, but there are others, and these are the people that, are, that we feature in our pioneering book, there are others who are astute about the opportunity. They say, this is not an opportunity of a generation. This is the opportunity of a century. And my family business ain't going to be left behind. On the contrary, I'm going to be that leading edge company or family in that they're breaking the molds. And it is that journey that we feature in our pioneering family firms book. We feature 15 different families in that book. So in short, where are we in the education space? Some universities like mine just have been doing it and continue to do it quite effectively. Other universities are stepping up really quickly. There are those we say are stepping up. What we say is they're putting a, a new saddle on the horse. That means MBA program or undergraduate program is the same that it used to be for the last 50 years. We've now put a few sustainability courses on top or we've changed the names of some courses 
and added the word sustainability there. In our case, or schools like ours, that's our horse. Yeah. Well, and, and I just, I just, it harkens to the idea of greenwashing or sustainability washing that, that they're, um, that this is the, the soup du jour, but really this is what we all should be consuming and that this is the new normal. And, and you are obviously have been part of a university that's been blazing this for many, 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 many decades, far before it became quote fashionable. Um, and I do feel that often there is a um, disconnect sometimes with the um, the way that that universities think about enterprise and that they're um, wanting to sort of conveniently move in a direction that is now um, in fashion when in fact it's this isn't novel or new, right? This is something that's been around. No, and it, it really helps. And that's one of the things that family businesses are struggling with because those who've been around, say, for three generations are saying, I don't really know what the sustainability is. Yes, it, yes. It's like whispering in my ear saying, you know, kind of confessing that they don't know what the sustainability thing is. And I often yeah. ask, so when you buy, when you leave a room, what do you do? I hear Inevit you. Yeah, inevitably they'll say, I switch off the lights. Well, that's making sure no resources being wasted. What do you do to your people? Well, I make sure I take care of them. Otherwise, how will I run my business? Well, now we wrap it all under one label called sustainability because they are taking care of their resources. They are taking, if they have been that far along in the journey, that comes naturally. But there are things we are learning that can be integrated in businesses today. That's excellent. Um, I just want to shift gears and talk a little bit about this uh, sustainability realm and how family firms are approaching. Um, what are they trying to do more, better, or differently as they kind of take this strategic pivot? And then my second question is, how is how is succession, right? How is um, an evolving multi-generational family fact pattern also influencing these um, these more expanded goals on the sustainable development front? So two questions in one for you. Super. Um, so I did start my academic journey thinking about, reading about, talking to business families uh, about succession. At that time, we were thinking about succession, and many people still do, about succession as passing a baton. And we try to guess, and in my dissertation, we try to ask people, well, how many years does it really take to pass that baton? And the best answer at that time we could come up with is five to 10 years. I was like, okay, that's good. And we kept harping that five to 10 years, it's gonna take you time, so be patient about it. But in, re in working on the research for pioneering family firms, now these are families that traditionally did not start with sustainability as a mission. Many of them would have a mission like um, exceeding customer expectations. 
that's an example that just came to my mind it's state garden out of massachusetts their motto right from 1937 has been exceeding customer expectations and as the expectations kept changing they kept evolving so for 80 plus years what they did in the beginning they are still processing fresh produce they started as a celery produce reprocessor they would wash celery stalks uh, process wash them and then put them in smaller bags and then take them to grocery stores so that's how they started in 1937 and then they kept increasing they kept investing in technology it became so it's one of the larger processors food processors in new england now and then they started hearing their customers who are really the um, grocery chains saying uh, people are asking for this thing called organic salad do you guys know what organic salad is we need organic salad and this is between 2000 and 2020. So 2000, 95% of their production was conventional salad. They bring stuff from warmer regions of the country. So that would be the West Coast. They transport it all the way, process it in Massachusetts, repackage it and take it to all grocery stores all around. Now, over the journey of this, there's three generations. So now they're in third generation leadership. There's three brothers. And when they started transitioning from conventional to organic, it took them 20 years. So 2000, they're doing 5% of conventional, sorry, 5% of organic. 95% conventional, by 2020, it's the opposite. So now imagine that journey, there's three brothers, and now there is the younger generation, there's seven of them or eight of them, uh, they're beginning to join. As you are transforming a business from sustainability, you know, from conventional to organic, you still need to deliver the conventional. Because that's what most customers want. They don't want expensive salad, which has an organic label on it or is, is organic. So you need bigger bandwidth of people you can trust. And they were able to make this slow transition because they had two generations working together. Three members of third generation and increasingly more members of now this four or three, three members of the next generation. And all of them are working now, full time. And they're gonna continue working together for another 20 years. So that passing the baton is no longer passing the baton. It is more like a family marathon. If families are trying to convert from their past ways, whatever they might be, to more sustainable ways and prepare themselves for future. So the succession, the strategic planning, the engagement of next generation, the keeping busy of the current generation, there is just so much work to be done. Everyone needs to work together. So it's more like a family marathon than a passing of the baton, which really means that 
pressure of you've got to do this succession really quickly has been removed. At least these families have that removed. And that is like a whole load off of many people that I work with. So in, in helping them transition to this mindset and helping them identify opportunities they'd like to pursue and ideas, this is a misnomer. I often get asked, so is it the younger generation coming up with all the brilliant ideas? No. Sometimes they are. Mostly it's a combination of generations. Mostly it's a combination of family, non-family members. It's not one head that comes up with these ideas. Uh, we have, you know, I could go on at 15 cases and I continue to work. Uh, but that's an example, kind of using that example as how. So does in the in the state garden case, this is Olivia's organics people, by the way. Um, are they did they have difficulty engaging next generation? That's another issue that we hear from business families. Oh, my children or nephews or nieces don't want to work here. They don't. They have six, seven, eight. They have eight in generation four. And everyone is excited to work in this business. Because they're doing something cool. And they, and they are, actually, yeah. they are making money. And I can give you an, a beautiful example. I love it. You can see how excited I am about this topic. Um, yeah. So it, they have 80,000 pounds of organic waste every week. These may be celery stalks or lettuce or you know something that you can't really sell in grocery store because it's slightly wilted on the side. Yeah. But it's fresh produce. It's washed, it's 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 come from a land that is that has not used any pesticides or um, insecticides for last years for a decade so this is organic produce washed processed it's ready to eat but it can't go in the grocery store and they had eighty thousand pounds of this every week that's four million pounds per year so what wow. were they doing with it they were spending eight hundred thousand to dispose of that oh no whether it's going to a portion of it was going to the food food uh, food chains. Okay. Thank you, food banks. A portion of it was going into um, the animal feeds, and they were spending eight hundred thousand disposal cost per year of what they call ugly greens. Okay, there's nothing wrong with them. And they had a non-family member and a younger generation family member. They put them on a project saying, figure out a way we can use this better. The project outcome is with a $300 investment and bringing in the top mixologist in the country. They are now generating six to eight million revenues through vegetable juices, pestos, and it's only still half half the usage. So they have a long way to go. So how they use this, they made the you now the next generation, their 90s born and onwards, 
So they had the, this became the project of generation four and non-family members. So the more seasoned people are coming from the non-family and the energy is coming. And the younger generation loves it because it's, it's in the same business, but it's not something they've inherited from their parents. So it is more their entrepreneurial spirit and it's working beautifully. So I love that example of the creativity to co-create, right? Something mm -hmm. innovative and new. And it's almost an entrepreneurial family venture within the family enterprise, which again, gives a sense of um, ownership and a little bit of agency, but also the sense of pride, right? That you're, you're not just taking what you've been given or succeeded into, rather you're creating and innovating something new, which again, back to this whole topic of sustainable development, I think is what is so enlightening, inspiring, and um, potentially shifting. Like I was thinking, Dita, when you were talking about succession, how we do focus so much on the family succession versus the actual business succession and how, what a shift in energy, right? From making it all about family names and people and personas to how do we make sure our business is an enduring, productive and contributing, not just making more waste, more product, more widgets that get thrown into a garbage dump at some point. So I think that's so, it's such a great mind shift, right? To go from thinking successions right are all around people to maybe it's successions all around the business um, shifting to these more productive, sustainable development goals. Absolutely. So tell me um, a little bit more about what you think um, the impact of having sort of a sustainable development emphasis, how's that shifting, right? Where some of these family firms are going and what do you think is gonna be better or different as a function of us moving in this direction? Well, first is, um, and that I see from our students, undergraduate and graduate students, just have in with how much heart and mind, like with genuine interest, uh, in my previous research, I would call it affective commitment, are the next generation joining your business. So it's not out of obligation, it's not out of greed, it's not out of need, it's out of genuine desire. Because the business is providing an opportunity and not just when we think of opportunity, we think of how much money will you make? They're not really hungry for money. But this is, a, especially those who are growing up in business families of the boomers, this is a generation that has had a buffet for every single meal of their day. Because that's what parents like me try to do. We try to give them everything, whether it's education, whether it's, you know, physical clothes, gadgets, we try to give them everything to, to support their development and education. So this is not a generation growing up starved. And when we teach entrepreneurship, we go, you know, that hunger actually makes you think of good ideas. Well, how is this generation going to think of new ideas when they've had a buffet three times a day? They're not hungry. But this challenge is so exciting and so big 
that previous generation doesn't have the answers. So it becomes exciting to think about something new and think about something new together. So the, the depth of engagement, like our students, they're not even interviewing for places that are not B Corps or some sort of a sustainability certification. There's 150 of these certifications, but they're not. They first check on, you know, how are they doing? If my values don't match, I don't want to join. So I think that's energizing and it's, you know, I've been teaching now for about 30 years and it's, it, it can get boring unless you are regenerating yourself. And I'm, now I'm talking about the senior generation. You know, if you've figured out and you've mastered a skill and you're, you're doing well in business and you've been doing well the same business for 30 years, you too want some energy, you too. And here's another part that's really helping these families. When I say these families, I mean the ones in the pioneering book. Human health is better. Those of us alive today, unless we have some sort of an accident or health issue, we're going to live longer lives, longer and more productive, more healthier lives for longer time. So people like me who are now in their 60s will think about nothing wrong with me. I don't have to retire at 58 or 60 or 62 because I'm not feeling that I need to slow down. And we're seeing that in our politicians. We are seeing that in our sportscaster, newscaster. We're seeing that all around us. It's not that these people are hungry and I can't speak for others. Like I'm not hungry for going teaching another class, but I'm going, I got so much energy. I got so many ideas. I'm just excited about my journey. So this transition, we call it the, we, we differentiate in our book about those who are starting. So the entrepreneurial companies that are first generation. So they're mm -hmm. starting with a clean slate with sustainability in the woven into their business models. So that's mm -hmm. three of the 15 cases, but then the rest are the ones that are, we call them transformations. So they're transforming a traditional business into a sustainable business organically. It's not like you can, we have wineries in that. It's not like you can uproot the entire vineyard and then you've got to uproot it. You've got to leave it fallow for two years before you can make it organic vineyard. So it's going to be very slow piece by piece process. And that's what the longer lives are helping, longer, healthier lives are helping of senior generation. The energy of junior generation is helping. Um, and so they are working together. The sustainable development goals are giving people a language to focus on. I mean, now we have these 17 goals. We've been talking about, you know, you've got to figure out your dream. I know my seniors uh, have, our seniors, I would say they have, um, try to do that for business families. Lots of advisors built their entire career on finding, helping families find a dream. Now that same task is happening with the sustainable development goals. Now we have these 17. We used to do, you know, generate 
values or generate words that mean something to you. Now it's like, here are 17, which one do you gravitate towards? And then families start discussing, okay, you know, there could be interesting things. And that's how they discover whether we are going to go or, or the, the way we are going to go on this journey. And it doesn't have to be one journey per family. There are some really innovative mechanisms where families are going, okay, left hand is going to keep doing what we are doing, but right hand, and these could be, you know, two family members here, two right hand is going to start pivoting or developing something different. So that's like an incubator on the side. And we have those stories too. So the, I hope people read it because it's fascinating to read the inspiring stories of, of business families in this book. Well, I think the stories are so helpful for people to socialize, right? To make it one accessible, two, to see a roadmap that somebody else has taken. It may not be your own roadmap, but it gives you an idea of where did they start how did things move into this? How did they align this with strategic planning and with their operating goals and budgets? So the finance hand talking to the management and the visionary side. Um, and, and then execution, right? It's all about execution. We, we talk a lot um, theoretically around sustainability, but to see it in action, right? To see families putting it into practice and creating outcomes that are moving the needle, um, to me is perhaps the most inspirational and exciting aspect of this. So I, I see where you get your passion and your energy, and I can appreciate how this is moving the needle for so many families who didn't know what the next generation was gonna do or what their lives were gonna be like. But this gives a, an automatic hook, an automatic application, and opportunity for them to step up and shine differently than their grandmothers and grandfathers or um, the, the 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 many many who came before us right mm -hmm. absolutely yeah so Dita tell us a, a little bit more about um, your program that you're offering is it at the undergrad or the graduate level online in person hybrid tell us just a little bit more so we know if people are interested, yeah. I know you have some materials that we can um, share. I'd love to Absolutely. learn more. Absolutely. You know, another another moment before I go to the programs, and I was just thinking of our online certificate program. Yeah, I'm excited about where I am uh, because, you know, when we came up with the first book, and I'm still going through related presentations and i just came back from spain where we had a related presentation for uh, a global summit and people ask questions you know when people ask questions that's when it triggers yeah we need to understand that so there is so much that we don't know i'm already working with three other colleagues on our next book which we which we expect to come up with we're working on eight B Corp cases. Okay, so journeys, eight journeys. But this time our focus is on where are the tensions as you go between people, profit, and planet? So if I focus more on people, of course I've got to make money and more is better. How do I balance the two and how does those tensions come up? So we're focusing on those kinds of tensions 
which means the journey for me as a researcher, as an educator, is so exciting because none of us knows the answers. So we're learning as we are learning. And why it made me think of our online master level graduate program, which is asynchronous. So people can take it from anywhere in the world. It's um, three courses of eight weeks each. And there's rolling admissions. Now the first course, there's two required courses and the third you can pick whichever you want from the rest of the, the offerings. The first course I do myself, it's based on our pioneering book mostly. The second course, I started hearing these really cool ways people are using things. It's how is, for example, uh, one of my colleagues who works in our Rubenstein school here, which is on environmental sciences, her research is on how blockchain technology is being used in the farms in Africa. And we got chatting and she goes, and these are all family businesses and they're connecting with the L'Oreal's of the world, the, you know, the, the really large brands of the world through blockchain technology. And I got curious about how does that work? So in the second mod, in the second course, I have these guest speakers who are at the cutting edge in their areas, which we haven't even touched in family business research. So I'm as excited about learning from them and with them that it is so cool. There's, there's a session on philanthropy. Okay, I know that's your, your expertise, area of expertise. Uh, so you would, have, you would know about this 1% for the planet, uh, so a nonprofit. And that's based out of Vermont. So the CEO of 1% of the planet, which is a not-for-profit organization, does one module of that. And she talks about how nonprofits, how family businesses are using and collaborating with nonprofits to leverage and broaden their impact. So that the items or the topics that are in these are so exciting that we just want, or I just want any family business, any advisor around the world who's interested to not have to leave their day job or not have to leave their kids or not have to put another ounce of or pound of carbon dioxide in the air by traveling all over, but just take the content sitting in the comfort of their home when it works. And that's why I'm super excited about this online certificate, um, which is on sustainable family enterprises. We also have a larger, a bigger five course course certificate on a sustainable enterprise, which is not necessarily family businesses. And so that's our kind of continuing education program. Our MBA program is called Sustainable Innovation MBA, totally embedded. It's a one-year program. It's full-time online intensive program. And then our um, undergraduate program has sustainability as one of the concentrate, as one of the themes. It's a sustainability, entrepreneurship, or globalization. So those are the three themes. So those are our educational programs right now from the Grossman School of Business at the University of Vermont. Nita, this has been such a fantastic um, 
just putting our toe in the water to sustainable development and the family enterprise. You are a wealth of knowledge and um, I, I, we could be having this podcast all day long. I'm so grateful for your participation today. I know we'll have some additional materials. People can learn more about the different programs to see which one's right for them, if it's right for them. And I hope people will read your incredible books and articles. Um, I mean, Google promoted a Sharma. You'll see Dr. Sharma, Professor Sharma's work all over. So she's done so much over the years and we're so grateful for your contribution to this space, but also innovating, pioneering this space. So thank you so much for joining our Tamron Learning Podcast today. Thank you. It's been fun. It's a fun journey. Thank you.